welcome 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 back to the stride podcast the podcast where we highlight the voices of youth organizers across this country and today i'm joined by a very special guest now, you all may know or not know her no, i'm just kidding you definitely know her her name is maria hernandez she is the blue future executive director or shall i say co-executive director alongside myself uh, she's also a blue future alum she's studying public administration at american university maria what's the deal what's good i'm very happy to have you on as a guest and not as a co-host Thank you so much for having me, Niles. I'm so excited to be here as a Blue Feature alum and wearing this different hat. Thank you so, so much. I'm so excited. Yes, this should be really fun. I'm so used to you being on my side of the table and now you're on the other side. I think this conversation will flow seamlessly. I know you quite a bit, um, but I'm also looking forward to learning a little bit more about your experiences. So I guess I'll start here. So I know you're a, a first generation American. Your parents immigrated to the United States from Venezuela. Uh, so, you know, what was it like having this sort of first generation experience? Thank you so much, Niles, for that question. I really appreciate you mentioning that I'm a first generation American and I'm also a first generation college student and a grad student. So, my parents migrated to the US in the late 90s from Venezuela. I was the only one in my family that was born here in the US in South Florida in the Fort Lauderdale suburbs. And I'm really blessed to be somewhere and be from somewhere that is extremely diverse. There's so many cultures, so many languages that I was exposed to growing up. And I don't think I'd be the person I am today if I hadn't had those opportunities. It's so extremely eye-opening just growing up in a place like that. I don't think I could say enough good things and how... It really made me someone always curious and always really excited to learn more and indulge in new conversation and new experiences and places and in spaces Um, and really definitely made me who I am today. And I'm extremely grateful for that. I always will be. Yeah, that's amazing. Shout out to your parents. I want to go back here. So you grew up in South Florida, and you know that is such a fascinating region to me um, because it's it's one of those few regions in the United States that is geographically yes um, in the states, but very much an extension uh, of a different place, uh, a different place meaning like the Caribbean, uh, so much culture, you know, so much influence, you know, even down to like the people um, are heavily saturated um, in that area so you know, how did that exposure to you know cubans you know, dominicans puerto ricans jamaicans um, folks from the caribbean area um, how did that influence your organizing and political ideology thank you so much for this question i absolutely love this question so much i am so eternally grateful to have been ex- exposed to so many different cultures like I just mentioned. And I think being being a South Floridian, being a Floridian in general, but specifically South Florida, if you know, you know that we always say that we're just a completely different country within the United, outside of the United States, within the United States, however you want to kind of look at it. But we always say that we're like our own entity because within our 
community. There's so many different countries and cultures and languages. I was surrounded by Venezuelans, Cubans, Colombians, Haitians, Jamaicans. Every corner um, you can think of, there is amazing um, grocery stores and beautiful restaurants and um, just music lounges and everything you can think of, carnivals and events and just growing up in that space, it just really, really made me um, so excited and so thankful and just really, really um, appreciative that I got to experience that and be exposed to that. And I will forever thank my parents for choosing that place um, to be the, uh, our foundation for that and you know, choosing to raise my sister and I in moments and places like that. Um, every weekend we would do something different and we would go and try to explore um, something different. And I definitely think that being a first-generation American, first-generation college student, it has exposed me to so many different issues that I've lived and seen firsthand. And maybe one of those being um, being a first-generation college student, as well as the topic of immigration and how it isn't easy how it's so taken for granted. Those who are citizens, those who were born in this country, myself included, sometimes takes take our rights and our privileges for granted, as opposed to those who really, really have to go through the process and constantly go through different immigration processes that either lead to something at the end, something really, really positive or something not so positive. And so I think that it's not maybe talked about enough, but a part of your experience of being a first generation American is really being affected and being involved, if you like it or not, within immigration reform, immigration policy, and those those events and those things that I would witness Growing up in the political sphere, I remember being eight years old when Obama got elected for office and he was one of the first politicians that I remember speaking positively about immigrations and immigrants and how we really are the backbone of America and how immigrants really are so incredibly important and vital and amazing to our country. It is the reason why America is America. And I look up to my parents so much for coming to this country and creating a very special positive foundation for my sister and I and for our children and for their children. And I think a lot of first-generation students can agree and they can relate and they can think like that too. We have to recognize that our parents and us, we're the, we're the ones creating foundations for future generations to come. And although that gives us a lot of pressure, it also gives me a lot of motivation. Um, my parents are my best friends. They are my number one supporters. I look up to them immensely. I love them so much. Without them, I wouldn't be who I am. I would be nothing. And I'm so immensely grateful and thankful that I have them. Alongside my sister, who is my inspiration and motivation, she's one of the smartest women I've ever known. And just having my family constantly with me is so incredible. And I, I love them so much. And they've supported me with all of my endeavors. I think being a first-generation American has completely shifted my mindset um, in so many ways. But I will say that my experience and what I witnessed and what I've seen has 100% made my political ideologies what they are. And me being a progressive Democrat is because of how progressive Democrats talk about immigration, 
how they make it a forefront issue in their agenda to give immigration reform to all, to continue to expand and reinstate DACA, to continue to give financial aid, college, immense opportunities and to continue to create those conversations to really make immigrants an actual number one issue within their agenda, you know, to to really make it important and to make us feel important and valid. And we really do deserve space and everything in this country like we do. And so I am very, very motivated into trying to help the immigration reform space. I've worked with United We Dream. I've worked in an immigration law firm for about a couple of months during my time in undergrad. And I try to really continue to educate myself and try to educate my community into letting them know that there is help and there is hope and we're gonna, we really are going to make it known that we're here and we're not going anywhere. Um, And so that's definitely, my environment has definitely um, helped me form my political ideologies 100 percent yeah you know i think that's the beauty of you know going to different places um i guess in one sense the the veil is snatched from your eyes you know to the reality um, of it all you know i want to dive into your organi- organizing experiences here before you were blue future you were heavily involved in uh, march for our lives so what led you down that path and what would, what were your experiences like working Yeah, so I started working with March for Our Lives because I do have a personal connection to them. I, like I mentioned before, I'm from the South Florida area, and I'm more particularly from Coral Springs, Parkland, and I was born and raised there my whole entire life. I went to a high school in the Broward County area, and in the Broward County School District is also where Marjorie Stoneman Douglas is, where the tragic horrific shooting on valentine's day of 2018 occurred where 17 lives were brutally taken from my community and it's very hard to talk about um it's been four years and that event was horrific and there aren't enough words to ever say how we really all felt from that march for our lives was created from that event as a gun violence prevention organization that really truly shook up the entire nation. You think that these sort of things and these type of mass shootings aren't going to affect you, and then they do. And you have so many emotions and so many things going on inside of you that are really enraging. Um, Like I mentioned, I want to make it clear, I did not attend Marjorie Simmons Douglas. I attended another high school in the Broward County School District. I lived about 0.3 miles away from the school. Um, So essentially the school was in very close proximity to myself. Um, I knew people that went there. I had friends that went there. I played lacrosse in high school and we would play against their team in high school. I believe that our school district is a very close-knit community. Um, although it is one of the largest school districts in the country. And when it happened, it really, truly shook the entire community, my town, the district, and also the nation. And it really left everyone extremely different. Like I mentioned, when it happened, me and a lot of my peers were really just trying to channel our energy and figure out what we can help and what 
what we can do next. And I was about to head to college. It was my senior year last semester that it occurred. And again, I was really just trying to find a place to channel my energy, which is where I found March for Our Lives. And I worked with them that year when I decided to go to school out of state in the D.C. area. I ended up going to George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, where I was approximately 25 minutes away from D.C. I interned with Radio United Against Gun Violence. I helped work with Students Demand Action at the George Mason chapter level. I worked with Everytown and a couple of other organizations. And from there, I really just tried to go to protests. I attended a lot of trainings. I assisted with programs. I did a lobbying cohort with March for Our Lives. I met some incredible activists with stories and journeys that are so appalling in so many ways. And being in the gun violence prevention space is a space that is a lot. Um, And so I think that I learned a lot and I'm still... Um, aiding that space in ways that I personally can. Um, It's never ending, unfortunately. And although we just got the Bipartisan Safe for Communities Act, which is the first major federal gun legislation to be passed since, I believe, 1994, um, there's so much work to be done. There's so many lives to be saved. There's so much to be said about that. But just to answer your question, that is how I got involved I still currently reside in the Coral Springs Parkland area. Um, My parents live there and I go home um, a lot. I consider DC to be my second home, but South Florida will always be my home and my family all lives there. And so it was personal. It's always going to be personal. It's, It's been personal. It's affected so many people. Honoring the lives that were lost is priority and priorities also to continue to fight to get these major, major bills passed. But yeah, to answer your question, that is how I got involved in March for Our Lives. Yeah, and uh, for those who are not aware, the incident that she's referring to is the Stoneman Douglas High School shooting in Parkland, Florida in uh, February of 2018. Maria, I found it interesting that you were involved in the efforts on the ground, uh, not only in Parkland, uh, but also in D.C. as well. And you touched on being involved uh, in the political scene in D.C. So I was curious as to, you know, what was it like? um, And in general, um, how do you like living there? And how is it different from living uh, in a place like South Florida? Other than the weather, the weather is probably fantastic out there, but um, yeah, what's it like living in D.C.? The weather is really important to point out, <laughs> so um, that's definitely one. Um, I think the biggest difference really is how fast-paced things are in D.C. as opposed to South Florida. Um, when I was in high school, when the tragedy occurred, there was a lot going on. And the organization was built by students that attended Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Um, I was not involved in that. But after they built the organization, I went ahead and signed up and attended a bunch of protests and tried to do um, anything that was needed. I also helped 
attend walkouts during school while I was still a student in Broward County School Districts right before graduation. March for Our Lives organization is really important and it's one of those organizations that really created a lot of valid, important, vital, incredible change um, when we needed it most. Now, the difference between Florida and D.C. in terms of where I'm at right now in life and college and career-wise, um, like I said, it's really differently fast-paced. I also think that very different work and um, college like life balance. Um, so I think my experience just being in D.C. and what I've witnessed is it's very collaborative and competitive. And I think anyone that goes to school in the area, they know. I now go to school at American University where I study and am completing a master's in public administration. I just graduated from George Mason, majoring in government and international politics, minoring in conflict analysis and resolution. I just graduated in May. And go Patriots, I left Mason. And now being an American, it's also such an amazing, incredible experience. I just started a few weeks back um, for fall semester. And again, they're both very incredible and very collaborative. I think that there's so much opportunity here in the D.C. area. Always time to really be a part of major and vital change. There's space for so much to do here in really, truly whatever you want to do. The people here come from all over the place with really genuine positive agenda. Those who I've met who are so incredible and hardworking and they really just are a ball of sunshine trying to truly, truly just make where we're at right now a better place. I'll never take that for granted and meeting those people. But I do definitely think that I, I really can't compare much of college life or edu uh, co yeah college life um, in Florida, since I didn't go to school there, and I go to Florida to visit family and to be back home and to really rest and recharge. There's really so much to do there as well. Amazing weather, good beaches, and a really, really, really big fight to fight in the political realm. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely, I love D.C. I love Florida so much. I'm really grateful for both of them to give me different opportunities and different places to live and a lot of different amazing incredible people that I'm super super grateful for meeting but yeah definitely a really big difference in both of them you mentioned how DC is a, a very competitive place it definitely gives competitive uh, but I think you know on the other hand it's a great place for uh, young organizers like yourselves uh, just by sheer proximity uh, to the political scene it's history. Um, there is definitely opportunity to be made there. Look in the right places. What does the future look like for you? And where do you go from here? The future. I love looking ahead and having a soft plan. For those who don't know what a soft plan is, a soft plan is in a way just like mapping your life and figuring out what do you want it to look like in the next few years. If that's furthering your education, if that's having a new job, if that's taking a gap year and going abroad and doing whatever you want. A solid plan is just kind of something to look at and continuously reflect on um, to motivate you and lead you to the life that you really want. But we know that life has its changes and nothing 
really in a way goes your way and that's okay. That's life. And that's the beauty of it all. And so not to be corny or cheesy, but everything is kind of unexpected and you kind of have to be prepared for that. But I like to have a soft plan anyways, just to look at and motivate myself and manifest in a way. And so that's what that means. And yeah, I right now my soft plan, like Nal's mentioned, is that I just graduated from undergrad in May of this year, 2022, and I entered grad school in the fall of 2022. So right now, few weeks of just being a baby grad student, and I love it. I'm at American University for an MPA, and hopefully I'll be done with that in the next two years. And afterwards, I think I really want to get into Florida politics again. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I've been in D.C. for about the D.C. area for about four years now, and by the time I'll be done with my master's, it'll be six years. And so I'm thinking of either going back to Florida and stepping foot into Florida politics. Florida needs young Democrats, young progressive Democrats, who are really just willing to fight for the urgent climate crisis that's going on in Florida, for urgent immigration help and immigration reform and gun violence prevention, more gun violence prevention champions, and it needs so much. Florida needs to be done with those Republicans trying to take over and say what women need to do with their bodies urgently, may I add. And so we, I just really think that from the experience and knowledge that I've gained right after my master's, I can go to Florida and help in whatever way that I can, either that being on fields with a campaign or working at Tallahassee. I'm not sure yet, but I definitely see myself doing that and I want to. And I would love to do that. And so so I think that's going to be it. Or, and I say this again with the soft plan in mind, um, we're staying in D.C. and helping here and continuing with a campaign or, or on the Hill. So I just, I really do think that public administration is my calling and um, something that I want to continuously do as well as grass, grassroots work and organizing and trying to truly Um, help continue mobilize young people. Um, And that's something that Blue Future has given me. me. Like Niles mentioned, I'm a Blue Future alum and I worked with Blue Future in the the fall of 2020 for the 2020 election. And then I also worked with Blue Future the spring of 2021. And Blue Future was probably my favorite internship, favorite job I had in college because of the amount of incredible youth organizers that I've met and I came across. One of my favorite things, one of my favorite things about organizing is meeting people and hearing their stories and sharing stories and storytelling. It really does feed my soul. And so I just think it's so incredible that I got to experience that during the campaign of 2020. While we were going through a pandemic, while we were also isolated, I still got the sense of unity and community and that's because of blue future and so I have always just felt so like in depth indebted um to blue future for that and I I I just it's a full circle moment now that I'm a co-executive director it's so so incredible every time I think about it I get goosebumps but Niles Nick Morgan they continuously inspire me and they continuously make me so hopeful for 
the future of our country. And it makes me literally just get chills and makes me want to cry and scream of excitement and happiness. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyways, I see myself really just finishing my education and either staying in D.C. or going to Florida and helping there. But I definitely see myself still working with grassroots, still mobilizing young people. I see myself working in campaigns and afterwards finalizing and maybe going into further education or continuing just on-field campaign work. And I'm really excited to see my future and I'm excited to see Blue Future's future and your future, Niles, and I'm just really excited for it. I can't wait. I am manifesting, I'm accepting, and I am just so, so excited for it all. I want to ask you another question. You know, as you know, you know this work can be very heavy, um, very emotionally uh, taxing. So, you know, what are some ways that you recenter yourself so that you can be fully present? I think that self-care looks different for all of us. And I love that. That's like the point of it all. For me, I think that just really finding ways to recharge and settle down, take some breaths and just relax without feeling guilty is a way that I try to recenter myself. Like you mentioned, this work is anything but easy and anything but this work is anything but easy and it really is extremely tolling on your mind and it's so important for us as organizers, as young leaders to really put that energy into ourselves and to also take care of our mind and our body and our souls and our spaces and anything really because that has to do with us because if we aren't taking care of ourselves and we're not finding spaces and a way to help our own being then we're not being productive in the space you need to allow yourself that grace in order to do the best work possible and really to put yourself to be really productive you have to recharge i love a good hot girl walk i love really bad reality tv show that distracts me and numbs my brain for a little bit um, I also love to order my favorite meal and relax and touch some grass and really just like center myself. Um, that being, again, just like going outside, reading a nice book, but also like watching reality TV show and going on a shopping spree. Like whatever, really whatever looks like self-care to you is self-care. There's really no definition. There's no right or wrong at all. Um, to me, though, it looks just like doing things that I like to do. Um, that being, again, hot girl walks, going outside, and when I'm back home playing with my dog and cuddling her, um, touching some grass, going to the beach, reading a nice, like, romantic, cheesy book. I also just really love to watch really bad reality TV show and a good, a good, good movie, a good old classic rom-com. And so I love all those things. Also, a really large cold coke from mcdonald's those are the best as well just pick up one of those and go for a nice walk and call it a day those are also amazing i love all those things and that's something that definitely helps me recharge 
go back to work and do what I need to do and feel at my best and not feel like this is a chore or a drag because I'm feeling mentally capable and mentally ready to do so. I also love therapy. If you're able to do it and if you're able to take time out of your day or if you're able to also, it really is an amazing form of self-care as well. And it also helps talk about things you're going to experience as an organizer, things you're going to see, things you're going to witness, a really good outlet to put that all there. So you're not carrying it in a really negative or harsh way. And you're just really, really letting some things go that you need to let go. And again, if you're able to do so, I always recommend um, doing therapy as well, if you're able to. I know not everyone has access. And I hope that's also another thing that becomes a lot more accessible because mental health is so, so important. And I know here at Blue Feature, we we always advocate for that. But those are some ways that I help recharge and recenter myself. Thank you for asking. I love that question. Okay, a few things here. Uh, so you said we're never going to be this young again. And I think that's so true. Uh, that's a, a great frame, framework to approach life. Um, as far as I know, you only got one life to live, so try to maximize it too I definitely agree with you uh, when you you mentioned how hard it is to say no because uh, it definitely is uh, but learning how to do so moving forward uh, will help so much uh, and and third uh, you know just want to clarify here and you know I completely agree with you uh, about you know finding that balance uh, but, you know, we're not necessarily encouraging you to you know, flunk out of college. Uh, but uh, I think, you know, if we're emphasizing you know, a balance. Uh, from my experience, those who were adept at carving time for friends and extracurriculars in college tended, tended to be the most successful um, as opposed to those who spent the majority of their time caved in, studying, obsessing over their grades. Uh, their college experience wasn't as positive, wasn't as beneficial um, as those who place priorities elsewhere uh, as opposed to just like one sort of singular focus on grades. So yeah, I thought that was a very uh, valued point that you made, Maria. Um, and um, I digress here. I want to ask you uh, another important question and that is, what would the world look like if it was truly free? To me, a world that is very and truly free is a world that is safe, welcoming, safe, welcoming, and inclusive for everybody. For everyone to be able to work for what they want to work, do what they want to do, love who they want to love, to be able to just walk around and be happy and to be okay and to feel safe. I think happiness is what everyone sort of strives for and being safe and having food on your table and having water and a home and clothes on your back, free healthcare and a safe environment and clean air is something that Every single person on this earth should have. And to me, if we all would have that, we would all really, really be free. Absolutely. Well said. So, yeah, wrapping up here, um, anything, anyone you'd like to spotlight, Maria? Uh, and where can we find you on social media? And, yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram at underscore Maria Hearn, H-E-R-N. 
And on LinkedIn, Maria Paula Hernandez. Thank you so much, Niles, for having me on the other side of things. And I just want to, yeah, I guess shout out my family, like I mentioned in the beginning. I'm sure they'll be listening and I love them so much and I'm just so eternally grateful for them, for the constant support. Always, they are the reason why I get to do what I do every day. And for them, I'm so grateful. And I do everything I do because of them. They are my biggest motivation. And... Definitely shouting out everything that Blue Future is doing right now and our incredible, incredible programs. Those are a few things I wanted to shout out. But again, thank you guys so much for letting me be on this podcast. And I'm so excited to have had a chance to talk to you, Niles. You're incredible. And I'm forever inspired by you. And a big thank you to Blue Future. I love Blue Future so much. And I'm so grateful that I get to be your co-executive director. Thank you. Okay, stop it, stop it, stop it. Well, anyways, Maria, uh, thank you so much. Uh, It was a pleasure having you on. For my folks listening, uh, this has been the Stride Podcast, and I'll see you next time. Uh, And again, want to give a big shout out to Maria. Uh, Thank you so much. Hey, thank you for tuning in to Blue Future Stride Podcast. If you're interested in politics, progressive movements, and organizing around issues which you care about, Check us out. Our website is ourbluefuture.us. You can also follow us on all social media platforms. Our handle is Blue Future Now. Before we go, we'd like to thank our producer, Alexia Klein. She does an amazing job running the show behind the scenes, and none of this is possible without her. If you have any questions about the podcast, you can reach her at Alexia, A L E K S I A at ourbluefuture.us. Also, I want to send a special shout out to Eli Silverman Lloyd for creating the music in today's podcast. If you're an organizer and would like to share your story, email us at hello at ourbluefuture.us. That's been another episode of Stride Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.